in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 16. While we are, we are blessed with musically talented people around here. For anyone who does not know the person that Eric was singing with, that is Debbie. That is a, one of the eight children of Pastor Stone and Sister Beverly. And you don't see her as much because Kentucky, I believe it is, is a long way away. But it's blessing to have her, and I know Pastor Stone and Beverly are glad to have her around the house with them. I recently attended a Bible study that, that I often go to. It's real convenient for me, and it's, it's in my daily path anyway. And, and so I stop by, and you never know what you're going to get. It, it could be a lecture. It could be a just a light devotion. It could be a full-blown sermon. And you, and you never know what you're going to hear. You never know who's going to give the Bible study. Some of you are probably thinking, Brother Kenneth, why are you going to something like that? Well, every now and then they ask me to speak. And I get to. But one morning I showed up, and there was a young man, teenage boy, 18 years old. He stated how old he was. And, and I was trying to, you know, have the right frame of mind about it all. I was thankful to see someone so young standing up there. And I tell you what, I was impressed. And I was blessed by this young man, and he had a powerful testimony. His dad was an alcoholic. His mother was involved in some ongoing sins that really severed and caused destruction within the family. His sister was on drugs. And here he was at the time, a 14-year-old result of that situation. As you can imagine what unfortunately might typically happen to a 14-year-old in that environment. But he had a friend. And this friend would invite him to church. And he'd go to church with him. And the preacher even got to know this 14-year-old boy, guest of the church. And then he got to know about the problems that he was going through. And then something drastic happened within the family, even worse than the normal for them. And this preacher and his wife took up the responsibility of taking this young man in their home, raising him, giving him rules and giving him chores. And man, it was, what a sacrifice, but it was rough. Man, it was rough at first. He lied about the chores. He probably didn't think that a mop floor compared to a mop floor looked any different. So he lied and said, yes, I mopped the floor. And, and that was the least of the problems. There were a lot of things that they went through. A lot of struggles. A lot of trials. And then after about a year, the young man trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And things were still rough for a while, though. You understand, when we're saved, we have a perfect home in heaven. We have been, been, been perfectly saved by the Lord. But life just isn't perfect at first. So there were still struggles along the way. But I got to see the finished product of four years in a, in a young 18-year-old man standing before a group of young people and having some depth in the Word of God and a true humility 
that just overwhelmed me coming from him. Uh, what a blessing he was. I, I have got to know the young man a little better. And I, I just want to be around him more. Someone said as he was preaching, I was working my way up to the front as if I was going to stand right beside him, but I was drawn in by someone that had been touched by the Lord. Oh, he touched me, the song goes. And that's all I could think of. This young man has been touched. I haven't met that preacher yet that took him in. But there's a twofold blessing in this to me. I am so moved by what this preacher and his wife chose to do, taking him in the home, the risk involved. A lot of us, if we knew this glorious outcome in advance, many of us might choose to do the same thing ourselves, if it's fitting in our family situation or whatever. We might do something like that, knowing the outcome. And, and don't get me wrong, I know there's some just like that preacher that would do it, but how many would really do it not knowing the outcome of, of such a risk, I'll say, because that's what goes through our mind at first. Unselfish service. It just a complete unselfish service is, is what I understand and detect in that whole situation. You know, when I first started preaching, I can relate to a statement that Pastor Stone made one time. He said, he said, I probably made a lot of people miserable my first year or two of preaching. And, and I haven't gone in depth with him about it, but I, I believe I can uh, understand what he's talking about. I, I felt like it was my job to go in front of the people and, and, and just to, to, to throw the Word of God out there as hard as I can, make us see how, how much more we need to grow and how much more we need to do. And, and I could really cut it with a jagged knife. You know, when, when you've been preaching a while, you can make a fine incision, and it's so beautiful. And we have a pretty tough truth to share this morning. It was tough on me. I, I don't have an aim of being tough on all of us. However, I do want to talk about our, our service to one another. Jesus said that we are to love one another. He said comfort one another. We're to, we're to, we're to confess our faults one to another. We're to, we're to love one another affectionately. We're to serve one another. And, and we're going to strip it down today. And we're going to look at it in, in a very raw manner so that we might clearly get the picture and be refreshed, be encouraged, be moved into action of what we're called to do. We'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll pick up in verse 14. I'll explain the setting in a minute. But Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. I would like for us to look at 
three phrases within these three verses this morning. And the first one you find in verse 14, let's emphasize, I seek not yours, but you, Paul says. Alright? The idea of, I want to possess nothing of yours. I'm not wanting your stuff. I'm not wanting what you have. I am interested in the well-being of your life is what Paul is saying there. And then if you look in verse 15, we will emphasize the very beginning of the verse, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Paul is saying that with pleasure, he is extending himself to be a help, to be whatever he needs to be in their lives, to the point of exhaustion for their well-being. In the behalf of others, he's exhausting himself. And then lastly, in verse 16, I'll draw your attention to the phrase, I do not burden you. Paul is not coming to be a weight of heaviness or a responsibility of them uh, upon them from them with His life, with His presence going to them. We will find the purpose that God has for us in this message to be one of, of drawing you and I to clear understanding and moved into action on unselfish service. Because if you and I are going to serve one another and serve others in the way that God has called us to, there can't be any selfishness in it. We've got to get ourselves out of the way. Uh, me, what's the three things? Me, myself, and I have got to go. Alright? Let's have a little history here for a minute. Paul had been to Corinth twice by this point that he is writing, okay? And out of this writing, he is writing of plans to make a third visit to this church. The first time he was there to establish the church. The second time he was there to help them. And it wasn't the prettiest thing that went on. But he was there to to help them in what they needed to be doing. He took care of himself and his own needs. He supplied everything for himself that he needed on that first visit, on the second visit. And, And his plans to go to them again, he has every intention to cover himself, and to supply for himself again. Now, don't get me wrong. It would be okay for Paul to teach them how to give in the way we are to biblically give. But he was on a very special mission here, I want us to understand. Because some people had told a lot of lies on Paul. There were those of his old religion, and there were those that were babes as as Christians. And, And for Paul to go to them, and he didn't require anything from them, he did not want to be a burden to them, People were saying, he's got to be in the ministry for something. There's something for him to get out of it personally. Because see, that's the natural frame of mind. We go to work to get a paycheck. I don't think we're going to go to work if if the paycheck isn't there. You know, there's one way of looking at things physically, but when we start looking at things spiritually and the call of God to serve Him and a special mission that Paul was on here... He wasn't expecting anything from them. And it temporarily 
backfired in their natural minds, if you will, because they said there's something down the road. This is just a setup. This is a scam. And then down the road, we're going to be hit with something. Paul is in this for something. Those inside the church, those outside the church had been lying about Paul and and, and thinking these wrong things about Paul. And, And so what we're about to talk about, what we're going to try to chew up here today is that Paul was there and Paul did what he did and Paul wrote what he wrote to defend himself to those who lied against him. But also... There was just a a divine indwelling of the Lord that moved him into the type of unselfish service that he was doing. So as we get to, to looking at this, we're going to see and focus on a few certain things. And we've already focused and saw in verse 14... He writes to them, alright, you with me? Let's, let, let's put this in a little deeper. I seek not yours, but you. Now there's two truths that we can understand right here. Paul was not seeking the possessions of the members of Corinth. That wasn't why he was going there. And there's another thing. Paul was seeking the spiritual well-being of the people. He was seeking to help them. He was seeking to improve their spiritual lives in whatever way that he could. And then what did we emphasize in verse 15? I will be, I will, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Paul served them with gladness in his heart. He was not getting anything back in return for the service that he was putting out. And, and this goes way beyond some kind of material thing. I, I'm, this is talking about love. This is talking about mutual feelings. This is talking about what should have been developed between them. But what Paul was extending out, it was not coming back to them. And what he was giving was love. If you'll notice, he, he was loving them abundantly and they were loving him less and less. The love Jesus told us to give to one another, this is what Paul was doing and extending to them. His love was growing greater for them and their love was evident that it was less and less for him. And then we see that he did not burden them in verse 16. He was not a weight unto them. He took care of his own responsibilities and he suffered reproach for it just as if he was up to something. He was blameless, but being blamed at the same time. We're going to go somewhere with this, and I want you to think about serving one another. And I want you to think about what are some of the worst effects, okay, that could happen from serving one another, or or the responses that we might not want to get. But we're going to see this Here today, we're going to take a look at this and we're going to be taught something. Look, when the Christian does right, when the Christian is serving another as they should, they could be accused of wrong and they'll be criticized for what they're doing. Maybe by the very person that they're serving. How does that sound? I know it's not very good. The Christian can expect this to happen as, as you serve someone else. As a matter of fact, in many cases, 
If someone is talking bad about you, most likely you're up to something good. I've seen the pattern and it happens before. That will happen to you when you're serving the Lord. You'll probably discover that it's because you're up to something good that someone's saying something bad. Paul said he will spend and he will be spent as he describes his service to another. He exhausted himself in every way, investing in the lives of the membership at Corinth, and the exchange was opposition against him. When Christians reach out to others, most of the time, the return is not nearly going to be what you put out. When you reach out to minister to others, a lot of times there is going to be no return on what you give out to someone else. Sometimes it's going to be negative. The nicer you are, the more negative it may be. The more goodness you show, the less gratitude you may see from someone As you serve them, the Christian can be walking and working and serving the Lord blamelessly and yet be blamed. How cheerful is this? And what good news do we have in this today? Well, I'm being a little sarcastic here, but but what do we say about all of this? There is a mindset that you and I must get into, and there must be clear motives as we seek to serve other people the way the Lord has called us to serve others. And ourselves, and our feelings, and the responses to us, it just cannot be a part of it. We must serve others for their, for their well-being, not to be well-spoken of. Let's understand something here. If we're focused on the spiritual condition of others and that is the reason why we are serving someone else, then we have a ministry and we are part of something that is going to be on a solid foundation. But if you and I serve someone else for the reason of of what is going to come back in return, how is this going to be reciprocated? This is going to be laid on sinking sand and we're probably going to quit if that's the case. I don't know about you, but the way my mind works so many times, I like for the darkest picture to be painted as something so that I dig into something and that I don't quit. And this is not real encouraging, but it's real that these are going to be the effects of your determined, surrendered service to the Lord. We must serve others without limits, though though the return may be limited. And as I say serving without limits, don't get me wrong, there, there is discernment and there is guidance from God in this and we do not do it completely blindly. For, for some reason, sometimes there are those that, that are not meant to be served. But, but we will have constant divine opportunities in our lives, in our daily paths to serve God's people. And we should exhaust ourselves 
doing so, how much less friction would there be among people in the church if that's the heart we had? It's not about me, it's about you, and I'm serving you. There's a lot of things, a lot of troubling things that would go away if we surrendered to this call to service that God has placed in front of us to exhaust ourselves in. We must serve with unquestionable motives, though they may be questioned. Are you with me? Stick with me in this. These are tough truths that we have to share today that's given by Paul. He's not, he's not only given by inspiration of God these words, but he has lived these words out. You understand? He has done this. Uh, in the lie, I, I want to grow in this and I want to get better at it. But Paul has done this. It, he has, he has put it to shoe leather and he has done this in the lives of the members of this church. He is able to tell them of the investment that he has made because it is true. What a, what a, what a tough truth here. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is something that is impossible for you to do. Don't get me wrong. I've seen unsaved people that have given greater care to someone or more sacrifice in in it being carried out than some Christians that I have seen. But it's not right and it's not accepted to God until Christ is doing it through you, until you've trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. You're one of His children and you're not doing it for your own praise. You're doing it for His glory. There's always a wrong motive in the unsaved person. That's, That's what's wrong with us as unsaved from Adam. But if you're here and you're saved this morning and Jesus is able to do this from within, maybe you're here and, and you're, you are saved, you're a Christian, and, you, and you're struggling with how, how this has come across today. Boy, you're, you're right, preacher. You, you cut it with a jagged knife. And, and maybe you're struggling with issues. Maybe, maybe we want a gray area in this. Maybe we, we want some reasons or some excuses or some exemptions from doing such a thing. I would like you to consider how you are a Christian and how I am a Christian and how we became Christians. Because like a rose trampled on the ground... Jesus Christ took the fall for us. Jesus Christ came down from heavenly glory to receive nothing from you or nothing from me but to see us in our destitute condition in need of a Savior. And so He came down from heaven and made Himself a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death for you and I. He did that for us to receive nothing from us, but to rescue us from destruction. He did it for our lives, and He did it because of our eternal destiny that He had in mind. And think about the response. Look at how many have rejected this free gift that has been extended through Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, and and, and, and to save, He's mighty to save, and to take people home to heaven to be with Him. Look at all the rejection that has happened, yet He did it anyway. 
Jesus Christ loves every single person. He loves us all. He knew in advance what the response was going to be, yet He gave Himself and He gave His life and He loved us all anyway. People that die without Christ, that go into eternity without Him, they go out loved by Him. He loves everyone. And look at the response that was given. Even for those of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we could never repay or come close to repay what the precious Lamb of God has done for you and I in giving His life for us. We wouldn't qualify to do it anyway. And we cannot return to Him ever what He has done for us. Oh my. He's given the fullness of His love to us. There is no burden that comes to us from Jesus, but He paid the price. He took our weighty burden of sin upon Himself. And He paid the price for it. He gave His life for us. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never called upon the Lord to save you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying have you ever attended church service or have you ever even done something in a church or have you acknowledged God or did you say a prayer when someone was sick? Nothing like that. If you have never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, I want you to think about an unselfish service that He has already given for you because He paid your sin debt. He paid your penalty. He suffered and died for you on the cross at Calvary that you might be saved. He's already presided. He's already provided a, a, a beautiful, spiritual, eternal service for your life. You're already accepted if you'll accept Him. He paid the price. He finished it all. He said he was, it was finished on the cross. And He has done that for you. If you're here today and you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, and maybe you're like me and you've been a little stung by this truth, and, and, and maybe we've been refreshed, maybe we have seen something in such a raw manner as we've needed to see it, but maybe we're still troubled by it and struggling by it, just consider your Lord and Savior. Just consider what He's done for you. And, and He has saved you and you're no longer your own. You belong to Him. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Him. We are to walk in the unselfish service that He gave the entire world that we had made personal to us when we received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Service... It's to be unselfish. I believe God's, what God has planned for you and I today is that we might see service to Him in such a way that we serve others no matter what. That you, you see that Paul never quit serving these people. He even expressed spiritual words of love at the very end of this letter for them. He never gave up on them, and no matter what they did to him, he continually loved them, and he was willing to serve them with gladness. Maybe you're not sold yet. Let me ask you, which side would you rather be on? Which side would you rather be on? If we're choosing, if we're choosing this side that was ungrateful and, and lied against him and constantly speculated about the pure loving service of the Lord in their lives, 
Would we rather be them? Or would we, would we rather be the one that gave it? Amen. We're called, we're called to, a, to a greater level of service constantly. I, I remember as a young Christian, I, within the first year, I was, really, I was really striving for that place where I get it all together. And I'm, and I'm stuck in place and I'm ready to go. And I've got it all together in my Christian life. And, and one wise mentor said, you're never going to get there in this life. Never going to get there. However, we do see another step in front of us all the time. And there, and there is the rawness of this service to others that we need to see. It, self has got to get out of the way. We can't be involved in it. We have to be able to ignore the response and press on serving the Lord because it's what He called us to and there's always a market for it. You know, most of you know where I had a job, uh, Bluebell Ice Cream, and everybody says, man, you, everybody's going to love that for the rest of their lives. You always have a job. Well, I'll tell you what there's a good market for. People in need of spiritual help. People in need of spiritual guidance. People needed to be comforted. People needed to be taught. People needed to be guided along. It's always going to be there. There's a great market for it. And we need to be diligent. We need to be relentless and unselfish service to the Lord. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we come to you today. My God, I thank you for a day of life you've given us. Father, I thank you for your precious son who gave his life on the cross at Calvary, was buried and raised again for us, for all of our sins, dear God. And Lord, where none of us could ever suffer that, none of us could ever do that. Lord, you have saved us by your grace. You've made us your own and you've made us to be able to follow your example. So dear God, may we go out as ambassadors for you, Lord, as representatives of your saving grace, and the love You extended in our lives, may we extend that to one another, dear God. Just greater, with a, with a clearer focus than ever before, that it's not about what's returned to us. Lord, it's what we can do to exhaust ourselves in the lives of others. That they might be saved, that the saved might be restored, that the saved might be strengthened. That they may learn through example this truth of unselfish service. And my dear God, if there's one here today who does not know You as Lord and Savior, Father God, we just ask that, that they would see Your unselfish service to them as You gave Your life in their place. Oh Lord, what a precious, defining moment that day in the life of the One who calls upon Jesus Christ and trusts Him to save them from their sins. And Lord, they're born again never to be the same anymore. Father, for that one or those many that do not know You, draw them today. My dear God, for Your children here today, Lord, may we understand that Your purpose for our lives is the most fulfilling mind-settling, peace-giving thing we could possibly be occupied with. Lord, help us to rid the world and to do Your work, dear Father. Work through us. He which hath begun a good work in You will perform it until the, until the end, dear Father. It is God which worketh in us both to will and to do of Your good pleasure. Father, I thank You for Your precious truth. May we go out and serve You, dear God. Have Your way with Your people in their hearts right now in Jesus' name.